Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Hey, thank you, Scott. Hello, everybody. Welcome aboard Must Read Alaska, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. It's a beautiful day in Alaska today. I don't know where you are, but here in Anchorage, man, it, the, the trees are all budding out and it's just gorgeous out there. The weather's just so, so terrific. Who can even remember that long, long winter when April had zero degree temperatures. Who cares? It's gorgeous now. And all the people down on uh, uh, 20 Mile are, are dipping for hooligan this week. So that is a really fun thing to do. If you want to get out and enjoy Alaska, head down. If you're in South Central, head down, uh, turn an arm there to, and, and you can dip nut for hooligan. And it's just a wonderful Alaska tradition. So if you like this show, remember, uh, give us a five-star review. And if you have any kind words at all, please do give us a short review in, in a narrative as well. We really appreciate it. And it helps us grow our podcast and helps us reach more people, improves our, improves our ranking. But today I'm joined by my co-host, Scott Levesque, and he is he's subbing in for John Quick today. Now, Scott usually has this, the all to himself on Wednesday. He's graciously agreed to be here. How are you doing, Scott? Good, Suzanne. How are you doing? Well, I'm running a little bit late today, quite honestly. It's been a really busy day. I mean, the, there is so much news going on, and I've, I've got a bunch of things I want to talk about. So I was wondering if, instead of doing our usual keynote report, we just jump right in. And sure. I wanted to first just talk about a, a story I just did, which is, you know, surprise, surprise, there's not going to be any late result, results today from the election office down in uh, at Ship Creek. So the Anchorage election for everybody who is uh, keeping track of politics, you know, our election was April 6th, and then we had a mayoral runoff, right, on that ended May 11th, and that was a week ago, and they haven't released any results since Friday, and on Friday, it was Dave Bronson was ahead by 1116 votes. And so we assumed that today they'd get through their final 5,000 ballots, but it's just a little bit odd. I, I gotta tell you, Scott, the mannerisms down at the election office are really a little different today. They don't have a sense of urgency. Maybe they figure that Dave Bronson's gonna win. So what's the hurry? But they only have, instead of like 20 election workers down there, they have four election workers and they're all moving really, really slowly. So they're not going to release any more results today. There's 5,000 mail-in ballots that remain to be counted. And instead, what they're doing is they're counting about 195 emailed in ballots. And Scott, I don't know if you know anything about email ballots. Do you know anything about, about uh, this is really the bizarre thing. You can actually email in a ballot. Yeah, no, no, no integrity issues there, right? No, none at all. No, in fact, we did get a note from somebody who emailed in a ballot and, and they said to us, you know, this isn't right. This isn't how you're supposed to vote. This is really loose. It has no integrity at all. We've got to change that. We shouldn't be just allowing people to email ballots in. 
willy-nilly, but in the, in the, they've received 92,135 ballot envelopes. Now, not all of those will be good. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the curing process and why yeah. this is so messed up. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I, I was just going to say on your note about the sort of the, and again, the story's up on much read Alaska under the title, Surprise, No Results from Election Office Today. On Friday, there was a sense that the weekend they're going to take off and really get at it on Monday to, to sure this thing up, right? Um, at the very least, get enough ballots counted that it's it's fairly clear who's going to win this election. Uh, with 5,000 votes, mail-in votes still out there, uh, and only about, a you know, like you said, a 1,116 vote lead, uh, this leaves still a lot of questions in the air. It, and it goes back to when we reported on last uh, last Wednesday, we did that Facebook Live based on your report, Suzanne, it's optics, right? It's all about yeah. the optics. Even if everything's on the up and up, the way this has been handled has been treacherous. It, it leaves so much room for questioning. I, like I said to you, my, my sort of uh, picture of this is like having a Mad Libs and you're allowing the public to fill in the blanks when really you should just have the entire paragraph filled out for us. Mm. And that's the problem. We are just left to our own devices. Uh, it goes back to even on uh, Thursday, having the, that truckload of blank ballots dumped off at the election office with no explanation, which dives into your email balloting thing, doesn't it? Oh yeah, and and good point. So on, on that, just to back up on those boxes and boxes of ballots that they just unloaded, what they did is they, they never told the observers what they were doing. They just pulled a car up and they opened up the, the hatch on it and they started unloading all these boxes. And the Bronson observers going, well, okay, what's going on? And so they walked over there and said, what are you doing? Just, we're, you know, observers. They said, we're, these are ballots from the, the um, from the in-person voting locations, which was Eagle River, Lusack Library and City Hall. So we're just loading them back in here. And so basically loading empty ballots back into the same building where they are counting ballots, which really without an explanation seems really suspicious. Now they're in a locked room and you can actually watch on the Muni's live feed on YouTube you can watch some of these different rooms at the election central there. And the room is locked, but there's a keypad to it. And we don't know how many people have the keypad to that room, but that's where all the blank ballots are for this election. It's such a bad look. It's so it's a, stupid. Absolutely. And, and not to mention, as we reported on, on Wednesday, why at 11 o'clock is any door, exterior door unlocked to, at the right. election office? Like what, regardless of who opened it or what they had in their hand why is any door exterior door to that election office unlocked compounding that is why is any official past beyond the point of when they say they're done counting why are they still working at the election office if you need to do work outside of this election go back to your office don't stay at the election office well and i, I think in terms of you know barbara jones who is the municipal clerk and the election official. She has an office there. And so she goes back to her office and work. But while you're in the middle of a live counting scenario, it is not appropriate to have people in that building if you don't have observers at this point. And we've learned an awful lot from this election. I mean, you look back three years when Rebecca Logan ran against uh, Ethan Berkowitz for mayor, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't the kind of 
focus on this because Rebecca Logan lost by enough that it wasn't going to be close. So people didn't go and they didn't observe the, the ballot challenging process that much because there wasn't going to be a way she could recover. But this time it's pretty close. And so the Bronson camp also highly sensitized by what happened in November, where a lot of us think that some really shifty stuff went on in the general election in the, in the presidential race. So people are, are very sensitized. And for our municipal clerk who runs our elections to not understand the position that we're coming from, which is we're not sure that they're really running clean elections anymore. They're gonna have to really prove it to us. And so we've seen enough things, for instance, people able to open the door of the election office where all the ballots are at 11 o'clock at night because they had forgotten to lock it. And yeah. not that that woman even did anything or at, at that point, but we just happened to be there with a camera. We happened to, to, to witness it. What about all the things we didn't witness, in other words? Right. So, so there's some things that are going on that really make me think that we've got to take a big, hard look at how they're doing the, the elections. Oh, I agree with you 100%. And maybe this is the first time that any of the municipality has ever had these kind of eyeballs on them, which also makes them uncomfortable. I mean, you know, election integrity started in 2016 with four years of Russia did this, and then it turned up bupkis. Then you have the 2020 election. Again, we're talking presidential election that had a lot of people scratching their heads going, how does a guy who doesn't leave his basement when he does have gatherings, they're six feet apart and few and far between garner 81 to 82 million votes versus Donald Trump, who is having massive gatherings, who had a ton of momentum, only gets 72 or 73 million. Again, mind you, far more than the, uh, the benchmark that was at play prior, which was Obama in 2008. So you have all these questions swirling around election. Then you come into the Alaska election, which had a lot of questions swirling around the use of uh, ballot harvesting by the Gross and Galvin yep. campaign, which trickled down all the way down, which influenced District 27's race with Lance Pruitt and um, yep. um, I'm forgetting her name right now, but that at least Galvin, at least Galvin, and it also trickled up. In other words, they did ballot harvesting for Al Gross and for Elise Galvin. They brought in paid right. people from out of state, and that's right. why we had so many people voting for Biden because they went out and harvested ballots of people who they convinced to vote for Gross. And while they're voting for Gross, Al Gross, they also voted for Biden. So it made Correct. us look even bluer than we probably are. Right, up and down the ballot, that was an effect. And so you have all of these things coming to the forefront when it comes to elections. And we're not even talking about some of the machines that are used. Then you hit this election, which if you've been paying attention at all, and you don't even have to be paying attention very closely, we knew this, this mayoral race here was going to be hotly contested. And very early we found out it was gonna be Bronson and Dunbar. And so you knew there was gonna be a runoff. To not have all your I's dotted and T's crossed in this election counting process and to not make it very clear and to communicate with not just the public, but also the individual campaigns that are going to be watching this, to me is astounding. It just shows either two things. One, there is a lack of procedural clarity or number two, it's ineptitude. And I don't want to I don't want to categorize one or the other as being the main cause. But there's other things in there. I mean, again. We can go into this, Suzanne, if you want to, but but observers bringing in gifts in, oh. in other aspects. I mean, if you want to dive <laughs> into that, we can go into that. 
Oh, let's talk about Chris Constant bringing in flowers. This is like crazyville. So Chris Constant, who is an assemblyman, who is technically the employer of the municipal clerk, because the municipal clerk works for the assembly. She doesn't work for the mayor. So, so she works for the assembly. Assemblyman Constant, he is de facto on the kitchen cabinet campaign for Forrest Dunbar. He is working for him every day. I mean, that's what he's been spending his time on. You see him at, at uh, and sign waving. You see him in pictures. He is there all the time. And he's been in and out of that election office constantly. No pun intended. And so he shows up last week with a bouquet of flowers for the municipal clerk. And I'm taking a look at that, that bouquet of flowers. And that's like a $70 bouquet that he's brought for her and yet she hasn't finished counting the race for his friend Forrest Dunbar yet and and again it's optics you're right you're not appropriate no no and and if you want to get her a bouquet of flowers because she has been under the gun and the scrutiny and let her finish the job first yeah let let her her finish finish the the job job first. first right I think I'm going to send her flowers. I'm I'm serious. I think I'm going to send her flowers from Mustard, Alaska and just say, thank you for running a a clean and fair election. You know, hopefully anyway. Absolutely. (laughs) With love from Mustard, Alaska. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm sure it'll be just as nice. And I'm sure it'll be after the election is counted and over with, not during when the person that you're campaigning for, and I'm not sure you could probably clarify this. Is Is he an observer as well? Well, yeah, he signs in as an observer or as an as a city official. And the thing is, is that they've been chasing um, Jamie Allard off and saying, you're not an observer. And she comes in and says, well, yeah, I'm an elected official and I'm, I'm in that capacity. And so they're throwing her behind the yellow line with the other uh, people who are not uh, the red red tag observers. So the red right. tag observers get to be a little bit closer. They've kept this COVID thing's kept everybody at a bit of a more distance, but there's been a lot of scrutiny on them and they have. They have not been very friendly to the to Bronson campaign. I will say that the Bronson campaign has been pretty aggressive of wanting to know everything that's going on. And they're just not used to that level of scrutiny. And so it's been extremely uncomfortable for them. And they've responded very poorly to it. They've been rude. They have been dismissive. They have not been, uh, they've not been transparent with the Bronson campaign. And they've, they've been a little pushy. And then, of course, then they do these things like um, like haul in ballots without telling them what they're doing. And that's made the uh, the Brownstein campaign just wanting to take an even closer look. So that kind of gets them sort of spun up a little bit because they see things that just don't look right. Right. No, it makes sense. I mean, like you said, it's a close contested race in, in optics and everything matters. So, I mean, it's it's bound to happen. So let's talk about this um this other story that I had from over the weekend. And this was where we had uh, really had Forrest Dunbar and his campaign and how it's linked to the 1630 fund, which is now under investigation because they are solely funded by this Swiss billionaire. Right. And, and so this money that they, they funneled into an, an independent expenditure group called Building a Stronger Anchorage, which is 100% for Forrest Dunbar. And it worked to destroy the, you know, the reputation of Dave Bronson and to build up Forrest Dunbar in the eyes of the voters. And they funneled $35,000 into that organization. And that was almost the complete amount that they had to work with. Now, the 1630 fund, uh, we've written about before in Must Read Alaska, but it 
it is funneling money from this this guy named Hans Weiss or something. Hansberg, Hansberg Weiss, I think he goes by the name Hans Weiss. And he, he came up with some medical device that he made years ago that he made billions of dollars on. And now he funnels money into his own foundation and into another nonprofit. And then that nonprofit moves it over to the 1630 fund. And the 1630 fund has been spending millions of dollars on campaigns all over the country for, uh, for House, Senate, and the presidency. And now it's drizzling down all the way to the local level. And they put $35,000 into the Forrest Dunbar campaign, money from Switzerland. Yeah, it's, it's again, and I can't remember the last time I reported on uh, the APOC filings of the Dunbar campaign. But if I remember correctly, uh, numbers could have changed. But about 20% of Dunbar's uh, campaign contributions have come from out-of-state um, donations. You add on top of this, these quote, third party um, organizations that are that are doing the bidding of a campaign without actually having to file that money through the campaign is pretty astounding. I mean, I've seen a lot of these, uh, there's YouTube ads, there's Facebook ads. It's a very high digital marketing um, campaign that they've ran for Forrest. It, it's pretty astounding. And it also goes to this, you know, it's really important that people know where money is coming from, especially now that Alaska has decided to uh, go with ballot measure two. And that was the whole thing with ballot measure two, which is, hey, we're going to expose dark money in this state. We're going to expose where all this money's coming from. And frankly, this entire campaign, the Dunbar uh, people have really had egg on their face with identifying and having to explain where all this dark money or outside money is coming from. Uh, for not just his campaign, but organizations campaigning on his behalf. I mean, it's pretty astounding. I haven't seen anything from Bronson. But again, Must Read Alaska has been pretty astute on a reporting with a lot of what's going on, uh, particularly in the money flowing into both campaigns. And um, yeah, I mean, if I'm a, if I'm a Dunbar uh, supporter and or I'm working with the campaign, I'm wondering to myself, what, what is going on here? What, what does this mean? Right. Well, what was interesting about this thing is building a stronger anchorage, which is independent group, supposedly independent group, $35,000 right. money from the 1630 fund, which comes from Hans Weiss of, of Switzerland and all for progressive causes. So we know, we know what he's, he's backing here. And right. it's interesting because it, the, the person who's running this project called building better anchorage is the same person who is the, the manager of the Ship Creek group here in town, which is running the Dunbar campaign. So they got their hands right. in both, both races. And they're not supposed to coordinate these things. These things cannot be coordinated, but there's a real clear trail here that looks to me like they are coordinating. And I don't know why the Republicans or the Bronson campaign doesn't file a complaint. There should be a complaint with APOC about it because it's a, to me, it, it, it looks like a, a violation. But um, you know that they're coordinating. And oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and the question really is, is, is how far is this going to go? I mean, again, ballot measure two's whole purpose was to identify and weed out dark or outside money from Alaskan elections and influencing Alaska. And the very people who are in support of this, Forrest being one of them, are the same people who are accepting outside money. Not only that, but whether it's plausible deniability for Forrest himself, the campaigns seemingly are coordinating between uh, these two groups that you're talking about, the, the Dunbar campaign and, uh, and this 
again, I don't exactly remember what it's called, uh, for building a stronger anchorage group. Yeah, building a stronger. So, yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 and the 1630 fund comes, you know, there, there's going to be a lot more that comes out about this. It's kind of like the Lincoln Project. It's one of these national groups. And right. it, is, uh, it is, you know, because of ballot measure two, Forrest Dunbar is the first poster child for using dark money. And uh, right. people need to know that. Now, before we, before we go, I want to talk about how the Anchorage Daily News weighed in this weekend telling Dave Bronson in their editorial that he needed to just go along and get along with this leftist assembly that he may have won the race, but by golly, the Anchorage assembly runs things in this town, so he better moderate right away. And it was really amazing that their first editorial after the election is pretty obvious that Bronson won. I mean, 1,116 votes, unless they absolutely try to rig it. There's no way that Dunbar is going to win. So what does the newspaper do? They don't congratulate him. They don't say, welcome to the, you know, the, the new Anchorage. We, you know, we're turning the corner. We had a bad experience with that last mayor, but we've got a new guy now. Let's wish him well. Let's do everything we can to help him be successful. No, 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 no. There's none of that. Instead, it is, listen, you know, you think that your people were rude to the assembly. They went down there and they were nasty in their comments to the assembly and they, they're a bunch of rabble. And um, if you think that that's how you're gonna to run this city, you've got another thing coming. And they said for the past year, his ardent supporters have shown up in mass to the assembly meetings, delivering invective testimony, protesting, even burning a mask during the proceedings. Scott, I got to tell you about that mask burning. That woman who burned that mask in front of the assembly was trying to make a point, which was she was deaf. She can't hear people. She has to read lips. And which, when the when the mayor masked everybody, it isolated her. And it made yeah. her life miserable. It made it horrible. You know, the, the Anchorage Daily News doesn't care about that. They just, they think it's some sort of spectacle. They think it, it's just some sort of theater on her part. No, it's really her life. Her life is such that when you mask everybody, she's completely isolated now. And so um, this, uh, this editorial, I don't know if you took a look at it, but uh, mm-hmm. it was pretty outrageous, quite honestly. Yeah, well, it definitely looked like the ADN decided to stack their cars in a specific deck. And, uh, you know, I, I have no idea why they would do this. This is just another example of padding what they think is really where they're going to see um, their bread buttered, which is with this assembly who has constantly given them uh, fair warning on things, who have, who have been extremely uh, generous with information. I mean, if you look over the last couple of years, it has been astounding how all of a sudden the ADN has a story ready to go with massive changes and, and things going on. So I think the ADN is trying to say, hey, we're with you guys, the guys who are giving us all this information. Now, the interesting, I have a different take on this, Suzanne. I really do. I think there was a lot, a, a lot, a lot of great reporting done by Must Read Alaska. And I think there's a bit of a threat level. I really do. Listen, the ADN is part of a legacy media that is slowly dying away. And as it slowly dives away, its effectiveness, its, its ability to be nimble cr- is crushing under the weight of the, the news cycle, changing on a constant basis. And what I saw here was, hey, if you want not just them to play ball, but if you want us to play ball, you're going to go, uh, you're going to get along to go along kind of thing. 
And uh, that's exactly what it is. I mean, if you want to read a little bit more about it, you can go to Must Read Alaska. It's under the title ADN Lectures Bronson to go along, get along with the leftist assembly. I, I would encourage you to read it. It was a great article um, by you, Suzanne. But really, to me, this is a great indication of exactly where the legacy media is headed, which is there is a losing power. They're not having the same effectiveness. I can tell you right now, I anecdotally have seen more people come up to me and thank uh, Must Read Alaska for its ability to report collectively on the news and not just have the single slant, but give the full slant of what's going on, give a broader perspective. And so with that being said, I think this is one of those, hey, listen, we're going to let you know that we're not going to be on your side unless you play along with us and I'll get along with the assembly because right now this is sort of a flex for them. We are the preeminent news outlet and uh, that's just not the truth. I think I think sites like Must Read Alaska are, are showing its, its ability to really get the information out to a broader audience, which to me also dives into another a really important article you wrote, which is oh, this infrastructure one. bill. Yes. The newspapers are <laughs> newspapers. infrastructure bill. Yep, yes. Newspapers are infrastructure. Yeah, you betcha they are. Oh, my goodness. And, and this is just, again, it, it's all dovetailing. The, you know, we call them the mainstream media, but I call it legacy media, is really waning in power. And you have more digital platforms that are, are starting to spring up. The Daily Wire, um, oh, Lottery yeah. Crowder. Yeah. Right. You've got the News Beacon, you've got Newsmax, you've got the yeah. Blaze, you've got a, a bunch of other ones that are even the Populist Press, which has replaced uh, Drudge Report. But the Drudge Report, of course, uh, is, is still there. And you've got all of these digital news outlets that are really doing good work. But, you know, now you have uh, uh, Congress, you have Senator Maria Cantwell, and you've got some other senators who, who want to put newspapers in the infrastructure bill and say that they're going to give tax rebates to people who subscribe like a $250 a year tax rebate. Well, you know, that only works if you actually itemize your taxes anyway. I mean, this is right. not going to work for most people. And they want to give $50,000 per year to each local paper to reduce employment taxes. Well, where's that going to come from? That's going to come from the rest of us, quite honestly. Absolutely. And not only that, but yeah, you're seeing more and more metric wise, that more people are getting their news from uh, these alternative, newer forms of media. I mean, yeah. like we just talked about, Newsmax, The Daily Wire, The Blaze, Must Read yeah. Alaska here in Alaska. Uh, these are all pivotal and important media outlets that are just, again, you hear it all the time, Suzanne. You're just a blogger. You're yeah. just like, that's like that's some sort of uh, indictment on your ability to share news. It's really not. Um, it, it, know. It's supposed to come across like that. But the reality is, is, you know, we're able to uh, be nimble and, and quick and flexible and the legacy media is not and it's showing. And so when I hear stuff like from the ADN's editorial staff or I see these um, bills, these newspapers or infrastructure bills, it, all it says to me is that these are these are outlets that are looking for handouts because they're dying and they're ineffective. Mm -hmm. And I, I sort of took that slant with the ADN. It's like, hey, whatever power we have, we're just going to go ahead and hit a home run or at least try to hit a home run and flex. And the reality is, is that it's sad. It, it's like seeing a person who has no self-awareness or mirror and say, hey, we're still the big guy in town. When in reality is 
your your influence and your ability to share the news is waning because it's so evident that subscriptions are down, um, any sort of digital metric is down, and, and this is sort of the last ditch effort. So you know, one the other thing that occurs to me on this is that the newspapers and the media and journalists are supposed to be the fourth estate. They're supposed to be the watchdogs of government. But once right. they get on the government payroll, once they're getting grants from the government, they're no longer the watchdogs. They are government media. And so that's Absolutely. why, you know, we do have some, we do have some issues with public broadcasting because it is underwritten by the government. And so we, we do have some issues with that. And now we're going to see newspapers themselves will be beholden to the government. And so I think that there is, a, this is, like I said in the story, this is like putting a dead man on a ventilator. You and I with uh, Must Read Alaska, we are out here sort of at the point of the spear, but we're out here in the frontier of where news media is going. It is becoming decentralized. There are more avenues for information. There's good with that and there's bad with that. There's some players out there that aren't, aren't, uh, aren't good actors that are, are sort of running propaganda machines. But in terms of overall, people have access to more information than what the newspapers are, are accustomed to being able to share. So I think it's a, a, a scary thing that, that, that we're going into a phase now where all of a sudden newspapers will be getting grants from the government. Yeah, they I mean, they like think you, their credibility hurt before, just you wait. Oh man, especially, you know, as you know, most mainstream media outlets, including large newspapers, are very left-leaning. I mean, oh. if you just look at the content they're putting out. So to add on top of that right now, a, a again, you can't say it's a handshake agreement, but you're you're not gonna you're not gonna <laughs> you're not gonna poop where you're fed kind of thing. You're not gonna but try yeah, to yeah, you see somebody somebody like Maria Cantwell, she's gonna put this thing through and then the Seattle Times put a big editorial and man, they took the paywall off that off that editorial so everybody could read it and said contact your congressman, con con contact Maria Cantwell, make sure that you support this so that we can, you know, get money for newspapers because they're, un they're not viable without, without, without government support anymore, but they aren't infrastructure and we all know that. See, listen, before we go, I'm, and we're running out of time here, I, I wanna make sure everybody knows to, to please go to Must Read Alaska, mustreadalaska.com. You, you can sign up for the newsletter there. We've got a lot of great content. This is the final week of the of the session, supposedly for the regular session. And then on Thursday, they're going into special session for the legislature. We've got a lot of good content that we are putting out on that. You can sign up for this podcast there and, uh, and tune in on Wednesday when Scott Levesque, my co-host today, has this uh, show all to himself. And he's so capable and I appreciate you so much. And then um, check back with us uh, again on, on all throughout the week for great content, great stories, and uh, find us on our YouTube channel. Any other words from your side of the mic, Scott? Absolutely. Like I said, we love our listeners, readers, and our supporters. Um, so yeah, every time you click on a, a story or share it or a like, you know, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Twitter, YouTube, MeWe, uh, Rumble, uh, all of that under the guise of the same uh, username, which is must read Alaska, all one word. And uh, we just appreciate you guys being able to uh, continue to support us because it's a big deal. Like we just talked about, we don't have any bills bailing us out. It's, uh, it's all because of it's reader driven, it's listener driven, and it's supporter driven. And we just, I just want to say thank you. It's been awesome working with you, Suzanne. So uh, this is great. 
Well, fun time. We'll do it again. So thanks, everybody. And we're signing off now from somewhere in Alaska.